This episode is sponsored by Craver. Craver empowers local coffee shops to connect with their customers through custom-branded mobile apps and online ordering. You can find out more about them and get a discount on your first three months by visiting www.craverapp.com slash coffee hyphen podcast. That's www.craverapp.com slash coffee hyphen podcast. Uh, so I'm doing a, a test run where I'm just opening up the mic to people. Howdy, you want to talk about coffee? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, nobody wants to talk, everybody's shy, so this may be a total fail, but I'm trying to, uh, I, I set up in front of the Bueller uh, station here, and they're, they serve me an edible cup uh, with some espresso in it. It's I mean, this is some interesting stuff. Anyway, the point is, I'm trying to see if people want to chat about whatever. Whatever coffee. It has to be coffee, but whatever. Coffee, right? We're at the SCA Boston Expo. Uh, my name's Domenico Celli. I'm a coffee producer and roaster from Puerto Rico. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Producing and roasting. Yeah, so we, we have our own farm there. We do like tourism at the farm and we run a couple of different programs where we work with other small farmers and we're basically, we do coffee, cacao and some other products, but the whole idea is empowering small scale farmers through specialty and value added products in Puerto Rico. Why coffee? Well, you're a producer. Yeah, well, so one, I am New Yorican. So I, I grew up in New York, but I'm Puerto oh, Rican. My cool. family's from Puerto Rico. And kind of through college, I started getting really interested in kind of the political and economic situation in Puerto Rico because we're considered the world's, uh, the U.S.'s oldest colony. So like we're we're part of the we're part of the U.S. in some ways, in other ways we're not fully integrated. We're more of like a Latin American country. Uh, so it's a unique culture there, a unique kind of economic situation there, and. An, my family has a background in in coffee, in sugarcane, in, okay. in farming in Puerto Rico. Wow! Um, but I, I was how never, far back does that go? Um, to I guess my great great grandparents. Wow! Yeah. So I, I started I started researching, kind of getting into like what is the situation on the ground now today. We have like this famed history of like coffee production and like we have Bacardi rum as well for like sugarcane production in Puerto Rico. But today you don't really hear about it at, at all. So that kind of began in college. Um, I started calling up farmers, government officials, nonprofits, anyone who would listen to me to, to learn about agriculture in Puerto Rico. Uh, and that kind of began the journey to uh, eventually going to Puerto Rico, working with farmers, helping them write grants, write business models to, to uh, kind of make farming sustainable in Puerto Rico. Because right now we import over 85% of what we produce in Puerto Rico in what we consume in Puerto Rico. And in coffee, we import around 90 to 95% of what and we drink like, in hey, Puerto let's, Rico. And you're like, hey, let's grow it. Yeah, and it, it's, such an, it's so sad because agriculture is such historically such an important part of our culture, mm. but today there's like so little of it. There's kind of just like symbolic, like, uh, like you have some of the old like historic haciendas, but we're, we're, not, we're eating all food that's imported from the U.S. We're drinking all coffee imported from Mexico, from the Dominican Republic. But still, people are so proud of our like our heritage uh, yeah. in agriculture. So, it's trying to figure out a way to, to bring it back or keep it alive. And 
for us, the answer to that was specialty and value-added. Specialty uh, coffee? Specialty, specialty agriculture and value-added oh. agriculture. Okay. And since coffee already has such a culturally important importance in Puerto Rico, and there's a global market you know, already established around people who are willing to pay more for coffee if it's good, specialty coffee. Um, so that's why we started with coffee. We're doing stuff with chocolate and cacao as well, and even doing vanilla and, and, other, and other products that could help support small farmers. Very cool. Well, yeah. say your name one more time, and how can we find out more about what yeah, you so are My doing? name is uh, Domenico Celli. We have a couple of different projects. Um, on social media, you can find me at Puentes Naturales, or Collective Perspective. Um, we have a project called The Forgotten Forest, where we're uh, supporting other small farmers getting into uh, specialty varietals and organic farming. All right. Uh, those are the two main ways that you could see us. We also have a farm called Sandra Farms in Puerto Rico, which in Puerto Rico, you don't need a passport from the U.S. to go visit Puerto Rico. Just hop, just hop on over, and we okay. have a farm there, Sandra Farms, that you can visit. We do tours every day. All right. Uh, and we have Airbnbs there as well on the farm. Oh, Airbnbs. Yeah. That's where it's at. So you should, the you, should come, farm. you should come visit us. I'd love Definitely. to. Yeah. Hey, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. So my name is Issa Brady. Um, I also go by Isabel. Uh, I work for a company called Bule, and so we're here at the Coffee Expo showing our optical sorter and our coffee roaster. So we have a 20 kilogram coffee roaster, and we also can sort coffee, raw coffee, and roasted coffee by color, uh, shape, and any type of defects. Uh, so I started working for Bule when I was 18 years old. Um, I did an apprenticeship program. So I actually started welding when I was about 16 got into Beware when I was 18 and then I did a three-year apprenticeship program and luckily I was one of the people who was able to build and install the panel on the smaller roasters. So after I started doing that I was allowed to test it for the first time with our sales guy and then that's kind of how I got interested in coffee, kind of tried to make that my path inside of Beware and so now I do a lot of like commissioning um, and I'll work on site and then do the programming, do trials. So I always get to be hands-on with the machine. So the welding what, why welding? I'm curious. I just enjoyed it. And my dad was a nuclear engineer, so I went to uh, his plant and I got to weld there. And then I just <laughs> kind of fell in love with it. I was going to go to community college when I was 18, told one of my friend's moms about it. And then she was like, oh, you should apply for Bueller. Like, it might be a really good fit for you. So I applied and I got in and yeah. I want to know, in, when it comes to welding, what, what is something you have to learn through, through doing it? Yeah, I mean, if you have like a lot of splatter... Um, oh, so like a nice clean weld would just be very straight. You okay. have like a very similar pattern throughout the whole entire weld. Um, it depends on the type of welding you're doing. So on site, you'll usually do like a stick weld because it's just really fast, really easy. But sometimes your stick can get stuck. And so it can be hard to spark. So someone who's newer might not be able to get it to spark. Yeah. Um, things like that. There, yeah. Man, there's a whole, I can tell there's a whole language in there too it reminds me of coffee too sometimes I'm seeing stuff to people who aren't in coffee they're like what? they're glazed over their eyes and it can like, be like opinionated too like someone's yeah. like oh that well's not that good and then someone's yeah. like that's oh, the best well I've ever seen coffee's yeah. never that way nobody's ever opinionated in coffee mm -hmm. yeah well, what do you think, how are you feeling about being around all these people again? Uh, for me, it's like kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it's been really good. So when I work on the optical sorters, that can be in any type of industry. So recently I was in D.C. at a plastics expo where we're sorting plastics by polymers. And then I was at one for like pet food, um, feed. And they were very, very slow. So this one is really the most like high energy one that I've been to in a while. <laughs> and it's really nice. Cool. I felt a lot better um, it's been fun walking around, seeing everyone. Everyone kind of has like good outfits and stuff too. So it's yeah, kind of nice to see some really stylish people. Yeah. Here. Um, 
Well, cool. Can you say your name one more time for us? And how can we find out more about what you're doing and the work that you're doing? Um, so my name is Issa Brady. I work for Bueller Inc. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can just check out the Bueller website. Cool. Um, anything like that, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Claro que sí. Hola. Muy pero muy buenas tardes. Mi nombre es Juan Carlos Torres Lozano. Vengo de Colombia. Good evening to everyone. Um, my name is Juan Carlos, and I come from Colombia. Estoy aquí en este momento en Speciality Coffee Expo porque nosotros en el año 2019 logramos batir dos récords mundiales eh, eh, verificados por la organización Guinness World Records. El primer récord es la taza de café más grande del mundo que se encuentra ubicada allá en Chinchina, Caldas. So right now we are in Specialty Expo uh, Coffee uh, right now. Uh, he's here visiting uh, because he established two world records in Colombia, uh, which is having the biggest cup of coffee oh. in Colombia, in Chinchina, Caldas. B biggest as in body or biggest? Body and structure as well. Ah, wow, congratulations. Eh, gracias. <laughs> y el segundo récord es la degustación de café más grande del mundo. And uh, the second record, which is a Guinness record, it's the biggest cup of coffee in the world. Actualmente eh, Colombia ostenta ambos récords mundiales y estamos aquí en eh, Speciality Coffee Expo mostrando un poquito de nuestra cultura cafetera desde Chinchina Caldas. At this moment Colombia holds two of the world uh, world records in, in Guinness. Uh, Guinness World Records, sorry. And so when we're talking big coffee, um, are we talking you said body and, and like structure? Mm -hmm. Is that like like the way it tastes, or is this like the amount, the volume? What he means is the actual amount. Okay, it's gotcha. It's the biggest form, uh, the biggest cup of coffee that exists right now, where he holds two Guinness World Records and at so, the moment. So the cup itself, is is it like something to drink out of it, or? It's too big. It's what he explained before. It's seven meters wide oh, by, wow. by four meters deep. Yeah. The three meters at the bottom side, so it's huge. Yeah, huge coffee cup. La taza mide de altura 4.1 metros de altura. 4.1 metros. The altitude is 4.1 meters. Okay. Y el diámetro superior es de 7 metros de diámetro superior e inferior 3.5 metros de diámetro inferior. And the diameter, the wide diameter, is seven meters. Wow. And in-depth diameter is 3.5 meters. So you, you fill that. You fill it with coffee? And what, do you jump in? Claro que you sí. swim around? El record anterior lo tenía Honduras con 18,012 litros de café. Y actualmente nosotros tenemos el record con 22,000 litros de café. So Honduras hold, held the record before, which was 18,012 liters of coffee. And right now he holds uh, 22,000 liters of coffee record. Wow. Donde se sirvieron aproximadamente 250,000 tazas de café. Where he served 250,000 cups of coffee. Wow. That's a lot of coffee. <laughs> That's a lot of coffee. What, what, what got you started? Well, why did you begin this, this endeavor? Claro, el objetivo de la taza de café más grande del mundo era poner en valor la cultura cafetera de Colombia hacia el mundo. 
the objective of this um, of this uh, record was to put in place the culture of Colombia and its coffee. Ah, very cool, very cool. Claro, era el objetivo. Eh, y también convertirla en un símbolo del café para nuestros campesinos, para nuestros productores de café y mostrar esa cara linda de Colombia a nivel mundial. And it's a symbol for all the local farmers, the small farmers in Colombia, farmers as well, to show that, that beautiful side of, of Colombia. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for talking. Can you say your name one more time? And how can we find out more about uh, what you're doing? Su nombre y cómo ellos pueden eh, encontrar más información sobre esto. Claro que sí. Bueno, eh, tenemos página web, ¿sí? www.latazadecafemasgrandedelmundo.co Y tenemos redes sociales, La Taza de Café Más Grande del Mundo, en Facebook, en Instagram. Eh, bueno, eh, tenemos pues todo el trabajo a través de la Fundación Grupo Empalme Asesores también, www.grupoempalmeasesores.co eh, y bueno, desde Chinchina Caldas, Colombia, para el mundo entero, dos récords mundiales que hoy eh, nos enorgullecen bastante. Mi nombre es Juan Carlos Torres Lozano y a ti muchísimas gracias por haberme invitado. Okay, I'm Coco. I work in Finca Lerida, Panama. I'm in the coffee business not so long ago, two years. Wow. So I'm just starting on it. And it's been very passionate because I used to be a tea drinker. And the reason I got into coffee is that I tried the Panama Geisha. Oh, yeah. And it kind of blew my mind, you know, yeah. how delicate it was. It was so similar to the tea I was drinking all my life. So I started reading and learning more about coffee, and then I found this amazing universe that is the specialty coffee world. Yeah, very much. And, you know, there's so much more behind a cup of coffee mm -hmm. uh, than just the coffee itself. There's a lot of stories, a lot of effort, a big mm -hmm. chain of people involved in making the coffee the best thing of your day yeah. since the morning. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Very cool. And so you, you're, you've been with the company for two years or in coffee for in two years? In coffee for two years. Very cool. And now you're at a company that's all women-owned? It's a woman-owned business, a okay. woman-managed business. Cool. Um, actually, if I would have to talk about the experience of women in coffee, from my point of view, I would say it's the easiest of the industries I've been to, I never felt, you know, uh, not hurt because of my womanness. You sure, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if it's the same in every country, mm -hmm. um, but so far I haven't experienced. I actually feel empowered and yeah. I think we bring a lot to the table because mm. the delicacy of women it's perfect to treat the coffee coffee it's so rough and strong and at the same time it's so delicate and and nice mm. so you know you it, it it has like the best of both of the worlds or the or the genres or whatever mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah so you fell in love with coffee you fell in love with the uh specialty coffee in particular yes you uh you're at a place in panama where you're working uh, at a, at a woman-owned coffee farm. Yeah. And what do you do day-to-day, -day and what's it like working on a farm? Okay, so what I do with Finca Lerida, it's 
I'm actually the marketing and salesperson, but I do so much more than that. You yeah. know, I kind of feel uh, the necessity to empower everybody in the chain because sometimes the pickers, they feel left out or they might think they are not that important or that they have like this whatever job. But actually, if they didn't do what they do so good, because we take care a lot of care with uh, picking, we wouldn't have the results we have. So I choose to empower them every time I can and make them try the coffees. And whenever somebody buys coffee from any part of the world, I let them know, like, you know, these beans you selected with oh, your wow. own hands yeah. is now traveling to this whatever part, because, you know, Dubai, United States, the Europe. Wow. And this is because of you, because you chose the right beans. So they, right. you know, They have like this nice smile on their faces, like feeling so proud of what they've done. So very cool. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what? So what industries have you worked in in the past? You, you mentioned you love well, tea. Were you in tea before? No, 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 no. I've only worked in the sports and uh, oh, okay. pet industry all my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, coffee, it's really quite different. It. It's quite different. <laughs> it's quite new for me. Um, But, yeah, I love it. it. It sometimes actually feels more like sports or in a way. Well, the, the sports industry I worked at was in martial arts. So oh, I wow. feel coffee very close to martial arts. How's that? How would you say that? Well, since I am new, it's like I'm a white belt. Okay. And then <laughs> I have this responsibility to making my farm stay in the same level as all of our, the farms. Oh, and then so I have these farms. producers. Yeah. No, no, no. The Panama industry in coffee, it's very tiny. We have, we are very small producers. Okay. Uh, so we all have to work kind of together to raise the awareness of the Panama coffee. Gotcha. Okay. And then all these farmers, they are second, third, and fourth generation of coffee, and then mm -hmm. I'm this new person. So they are like the black belts, <laughs> and I am the white belt. I see. Okay. So okay. Cool. I have to be as humble and open to learn from them and very appreciative of how they teach to me. So uh, what I've learned from other farmers of other countries or producers from other countries is that they like how Panama coffee works because... Even though we would be competing against each other, we are also very close and helpful to each other of the farms. So I think that was that's something that helped us raise. Awesome. Well, thank you for sitting down talking. Can you say say your name for us one more time, and then how can we find out more about this coffee? Okay. So my name is Lucy, but people call me Coco. <laughs> I work at Finca Lerida. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Um, Lerida Coffee Estate. It's a lot of E's together. Yeah, you have to put three E's together. And you can just, you know, hit me up. I'll, I'll answer. It's just me. So the main thing I'm noticing is uh, people, uh, they, they, they see what I'm doing and they quickly break eye contact and head down, keep walking. So kudos to the people just hopping on the mic. Austin. Yeah, I'm from yeah. New Braunfels. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> oh, I love New Braunfels. Floating the river. 
Mm -hmm. That's my jam. Okay, cool. Okay, hi, I'm Shannon McIntosh. I have Friday Coffee Roasters in New Braunfels, Texas. I've been roasting coffee for three years, and um, it's just exciting to get back in person with other coffee people and get re-energized. Awesome. So you're roasting out of New Braunfels. Correct. Okay, how'd you get into coffee? What's the story? I've always loved coffee, and I was playing around with roasting at home when the ability to uh, buy an existing roastery came about. So I was able to step in and start roasting, and it's been growing for three years. It's been a lot of fun. For you, what what are you here at Expo for? What are your goals? Um, it's like I said, it's it's just exciting to be back with other coffee people in person. It's it it's, it reenergizes me and validates what you know. Like the first time I went to one, it validated okay, I'm doing it right, and of course, I'm yep. learning new things, new trends. Uh, just awesome. To lecture about measuring coffee freshness yeah yeah and awesome so, what, what is one of the main takeaways for you um from that uh, from lecture? that oh that uh we're, we're all being a little bit too picky about our freshness i mean coffee's fresh mm. coffee never goes bad ever yep. and we you know we need to we need to not worry about having coffee that was roasted three days ago yeah. two months ago is still plenty good yeah it's like we swung a pendulum it was like nobody's putting dates on their roasts mm-hmm. and then it was like everybody put ro- uh, dates on your roast and now it's like if it's not today roasted i won't drink it right? yeah no so roast date's important I, I believe you should you should uh, reveal your roast date but um it's uh people need to understand really a week after roast is is when it's starting to be yeah peak, I not am, a day after roast i like 12 days off roast yeah. I'm like the 12 to 20 i mean i'm very particular in that way but I, i'm not saying i follow that rigidly mm-hmm. it's just i know that's where i love it the most typically. yeah yeah so, so. so my wholesale clients i'm telling them don't be making your espresso and until at least a week after roast, probably yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, for espresso, that's really Especially better. Especially for espresso, I feel like and that's And I tell true. people, yeah. if you still want to bloom on your pour over, you're good for a month. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like with the espresso, it's more sensitive because, you know, you pull too too fresh. The creme is too much. It's kind of overpowering. Mm-hmm. And so you to pull. let that die off a little bit and the coffee shines a little more. But, yeah, awesome. Well, say your name one more time for us. Shannon McIntosh with Friday Coffee Roasters in New Braunfels, Texas. Friday.coffee. And I'm on... Uh, Instagram. It's really cool to bump into you. Um, yeah. First time I listened to the coffee podcast, you made a disclaimer that it's not meant to be listened to in order. You oh, said, really? Yeah, what you, episode was that? It, you do one of these. Oh, yeah. It. Uh, I don't know if it was the first where I started, but you said way, way back when I first started listening to it that you can listen to it in any order and it's meant yeah. to be just pick whatever podcast episode you want. And then I started listening to it from front to back and uh, I'm still yeah. working my way through it. Yeah. I st- okay. So I learned actually this trip, I started talking to people and describing it like, read it like a dictionary, not like a book. Yep. So, and I think that's effective because we're all coming from different starting points. You know, when I was starting, like literally when we started the podcast, I don't want to talk about the podcast. I don't want to talk about me. We'll get to you. <laughs> the, the brief version of that was, the whole reason Wes and I started the podcast was because we were curious. We wanted to learn. We had a lot to learn. We still, I still have a ton to learn. And you know that. You just came out of a talk. I did. Was it the sustainability one, the profitability, scalability? Yes. Oh, I, I hit one of the words. Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell me about it. Basically, like applying data science to a price buyer's guide. Um, okay. And a lot of it is informing buyers on what sustainable prices are for farmers. And okay. more so than that what various benchmarks can be from what is poverty prices to prosperity prices. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one in between. What, there was three levels. I, I was in it for a second, then yeah. I set up. So Yeah, there was five. Actually, here. Oh, there are five me, levels. Let me pull up my notes. Dang. All right, we're pulling up some notes. Um, while you're doing that, tell us your name. I don't think I got your name on the, on the podcast. So let's get your name and then tell us a little bit about why you're here. Sure. Yeah. Um, my name's Ryan Ingerson. 
Um, I'm actually a student still. I'm in my last semester at Ithaca College. Nice. So I'm just coming here on my own. Oh, um, cool. I'm doing independent research on polycultural coffee farming. And Sweet. my whole life revolves around coffee. So yeah. this is my second time volunteering at the Specialty Coffee Expo and Rico Symposium. Nice. Just a great chance to meet some amazing people and yeah. learn from people with a lot more experience than I. That's cool. That's really cool. I'll have to learn more from you on that topic. <laughs> cool. So, okay, so we're breaking out some notes. This yeah. is uh, going to be a very unedited uh, version of the podcast. Normally, I'm meticulous. It takes me like six hours to edit a 30-minute episode because I'm crazy. This is going to be raw-ish. So, go for it. So, essentially, these are like price thresholds. Right. Okay. Um, prices that farmers should be paid and what the results of these prices will reap. Okay. So, poverty prices... And uh, essentially, that's just what what they should be paid to meet the poverty line. Okay. Um, and they have their own formula that they're plugging this in to find these price points. But in and, a, it's, and it's dependent on region, too. So each region in the world has a different level of poverty level, right? Exactly, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, decided by the World Bank and other multinational uh, organizations. Okay. Uh, so this is just the price they get to just meet the poverty line, which is oftentimes associated with commodity coffee, just enough to stay alive yeah if even yeah which um, i don't think anybody talking on this show or you and me i don't think anybody listening to this show wakes up in the morning and goes i want to just break that poverty line i don't think anybody is thinking that so that's kind of the lowest level tier so yeah exactly and i think it only exists because of a lack of information oh because consumers who are buying end product they don't they wouldn't want to say they're supporting poverty priced coffee right but like, I'll walk around my college and I'll talk about coffee with people. Most of them don't even know it grows on trees. Right. Like, yeah, you break the bean thing to them. You're like, hey, I know we call it coffee bean, but, uh, and then they're in tears, like, yep. immediately. They're like, what is my life? What, all, everything is lies. It has blown <laughs> people's minds and they have always thought, I've had a lot of people think it's like black beans, like a, literally a legume. Yeah, that's insane. Um, Somebody called, okay, somebody was saying beans were seeds the other day. Now I'm super thrown off again. So I'm going to have to go back to the internet and re rediscover myself and how I understand things. But okay, so yeah, sorry, we'll hit the levels. Sure. So right after that is legal prices, uh, basically prices to achieve any set minimum wage, healthcare benefits that's obligated by governments. Okay. Um, and obviously, this is more so like a price threshold that gets it in line with those who are subject to the laws because coffee farmers aren't being paid a wage necessarily mm -hmm. or the owners of the farms aren't being paid a wage they're entrepreneurial they're yep. getting whatever they can sell for but this is the price threshold to make it equivalent to that of legal pay for a full work week next level after that is living prices um and as they mentioned in there this is a huge buzzword and it's very popular right now in the industry but basically, the price to achieve a living income usually measured on a family of four. Okay. Um, and this has an assumption in it that it has two working family members. But okay. that's less than ideal as it feeds into the whole deruralization of coffee farms where one partner or children are going to urban areas to look for jobs. And mm -hmm. it cuts off the, the training and connection with generational coffee farms as... Hmm. Family members are no longer no longer on the farm, but instead leaving to seek money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then right after that was their prosperous prices, which is baseline living prices 
with an additional 20% for personal savings and a 20% for reinvesting onto the farm. Yep. Yeah, and that personal savings part, which you cracked the joke about buying a Nintendo or like just things <laughs> yeah. that you desire and want kind of included. Yeah, cool. So what was your main takeaway, would you say, from that uh, talk? It was, while it was on a very specific topic, mm-hmm. it really is speaking about transparency. Mm-hmm. And one of the examples they gave was a farmer receiving a price from a Q grader or importer who quantifies it all in English. And yep. then the farmer just smiles and nods and says, yes. Yep. And that is such a visual example of the exploitation that exists. And the reason why these structures must be available not only for buyers, but for the farmers to have access to and understand. Mm-hmm. As it gives them a bargaining chip and it lets yep. them understand really what they're worth. Say your name one more time for us. And uh, how can we find out more about your work? So you're finishing school. How can we find out more about that stuff? And, and maybe somebody can reach out and interested in what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I'm Ryan Ingerson. Uh, I go to Ithaca College right now. You can find me on Instagram at Ryan underscore Ingerson. Um, yeah, there's not going to be too, too much to share. Honestly, a lot of this is for me to learn and then be ready to enter in the industry. But if anyone has information, I'm always looking. Okay, awesome. Hey, thanks for doing this. So there you have it. The uh, Open Mic SGA Expo Experiment. Uh, that was the first round. And I have a second round on the way. But I thought this was a good way to connect with just coffee people across the industry. You know, instead of having these very pinpoint interviews, um, why don't we why don't we talk to people across the industry? And uh, so there's more voices to hear from very soon in the next episode. Um, but in the meantime, uh, reach out. Let me know what you thought. Uh, it's not really the the style that I normally do. It's very much out of my comfort zone. I don't have questions written down and really test my ability to to think of questions on the spot. I think I need to work on that a little bit. Um, and then you probably heard me entirely miss the fact that that cup of coffee was a literal cup of coffee, literally a huge cup of coffee. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. And as always, and until next time, happy brewing.